which one? Its primary function or its sole function is for a purpose which is also. So the muksa of Kedish and is a vessel, it's got to be a vessel, where its primary or sole function is for something which is also. So let's give a rough example, and we'll go through some more practical ideas in a moment. A rough example of that would be a hammer. The primary function of a hammer is to knock nails into a wall. That's a malacha which is totally also in Shabbos. It's boimer, a malacha, one of the lumpers malachas in Shabbos. You would use a hammer sometimes on a rare occasion for something else. You buy yourself a coconut and you just can't seem to open it, you'll get a hammer and you'll, you'll bang it. You might use a hammer for a, a function which isn't also. But since the primary function of this article is an, a, 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 a function which is also, it's considered now keli shemanach delisa. If you have an article where its sole function is something which is also, well, of course it's called a keli shemanach delisa. That's the title of this muksa, a keli, a vessel, shemanach that its function, the isa, is primarily for something which is forbidden on Shabbos. So the example of a hammer is the easiest example. Its primary function, it's, the bulk of its use is for something which is also, and therefore it's considered a keli shemanach delisa. Now this is where the halachas change. Whereas in the halacha was that you can't move it at all. Kedushim Lachadisa has much less restrictions to it. Kedushim Lachadisa may be moved with Sarech Gutai, and it may be moved with Sarech Mekaymai, but it may not be moved Meaning, I may move a Kedushim Lachadisa if I want to use the article itself. If I have a hammer, I want the hammer to break my coconut and Shabbos, I'm allowed to pick up the hammer, no problem at all, pick it up as normal with my hand, Take the hammer, smash the coconut, and put the hammer back. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is 100% so much good. And I wouldn't tell you something which is wrong, believe me. You've not done nothing to it for Shabbos. Kalish Makhadissa is muta l'tzorikhufay. Not only that, if the hammer, you, you knocked a nail in the wall to hang a picture up on Friday, and you left it on your, accidentally left it on your couch, you come Friday night, and you want to sit down on that couch, and there's a hammer in the way, you may pick up the hammer with your hand, Put it back where it belongs and sit yourself down on a couch. Because Litzarech Mekoymai, it is permitted to move a Kalish and However, if you left your hammer lying around and you're worried it's going to get stolen, or you're worried it's going to get damaged, or you're worried that it's somehow going to get lost, then that, to move it just to protect the hammer itself, that's forbidden. To move it from the sun to the shade, meaning to move it to protect the actual article, which is moksha, that's forbidden. So the restrictions of tilto, the restrictions of movement with Kedish and is in contrast to that of moksha macham and kiss, is enormously different. You can put cushion over it as well. You can put cushion and sit on it. Um, why don't you pick it up and put it away? It's perfectly permitted. There's no need to be uncomfortable if you can be comfortable. Sorry? The Chama says also. So, for the, the purpose of protecting the article, that's forbidden. But for the use of the article, that's perfectly, perfectly permitted. So let me give you an example. I'll give you a quick example of, of where this would be relevant. Say you come to your Shabbos table, the hammer on your armchair is unlikely. But you might come to your Shabbos table and find a pen. In the middle of the Shabbos, you want to lay the table, you want to put your tablecloth on, and there's a pen lying bang in the middle of the table. What do I do? Do I tilt the whole table so that the, the, the pen can slide off, and then I'm worried somebody will stand on the pen? Or can I blow it up? What should I do? What should be my approach to moving the pen? And the answer is, a pen is nothing more than a keli shemalach The primary function of a pen is writing. You sometimes use it 
for other things. You might use it to prop your glasses up. You might use it to, to as, as, as a, you know, I don't know what, I'd rather not say what people use pens for. But, but pens are primarily used as a melatonin issa as a pen. Therefore, this pen, the status of this pen is that I can't move it to protect the pen. So if it's a, a beautiful cross pen, which is lying on my shelf's table, it's not in the way. I'm just scared that it's going to get damaged because there's children running around. I may not touch it. If, however, I want to lay my table, put my tablecloth on, then I am entitled to pick that pen up and return it back to its given place and put my tablecloth on. Because I'm removing that pen in order to clear the area that I need to use. That's the Tzorik Mekomer. That's 100 centimeters. If you don't need it, then you mustn't touch it. If you don't need the space, you mustn't touch it. But to put a tablecloth on half a table is sometimes difficult. If you want to put a tablecloth on the whole table and you want the table to look nice, there's nothing wrong. There's no need to be from. You can pick it up, put it in. You're not being from, you're being silly. You pick it up and you put it away. An article where the primary function is one of heta, which is permitted, but at times you will use it for something which is also, that's not called the Kedish Malakadusa. That's called the Kedish Malakadusa. Heta, since the primary function is for something which is perfectly permitted, that the fact that you might, on the other occasion, or maybe more than the other occasion, at times use it for a function which is also, but since its primary function is something which is mutter, it's totally mutter, and it's called the Kedish Malakadusa, and there's no restrictions to the movement of that article at all on Shabbos. If you do have an article of Kedish Malakadusa, which you want to protect, but that wouldn't allow you to move the article. So there is a way around that. And if you do actually use the article, you pick up the article and you actually use it, though the main reason why you're, you're, you're moving this article is to protect it. But if the way you do it is by using the article, then that's permitted. So say you had a, a hammer on the table. You don't, you're worried about the hammer. It's going to get stolen. You've got people coming in tomorrow, and you're worried it'll get stolen. I'm just giving you, again, an off-the-wall example. And you want to protect the hammer, that itself wouldn't allow you to move the hammer. But if you pull out the coconut from your cupboard and you say, right, I'm going to have a coconut now, and you take the hammer and you bang, that, bang the coconut, and then you say, right, now I've used it for breaking the coconut, you can pick it up, break the coconut, and put it away. That way you've got round the difficulty of moving an article purely for the sake of protecting it. Because though the, in the back of your mind or in the front of your mind, the forefront of your mind, the main reason why you want to move this article is to protect it, but the way you've done it is by actually using the article, then the actual description of what you did here is you've moved it for the sake of the use of the article, and therefore that's permitted. Not be permitted. You asked me a very good question. Uh, I eat coconut once a year, and that's on Tobishwat. And this is Tobishwat, I shan't be breaking a coconut because I won't be at home, that's a shame. So I can't even tell you. We, we put it in bags, and we smash it on the floor, and we take it outside, and we throw it up and down. Lots of different methods of opening coconuts, which is burning coconut. It's very fattening as well. <coughs> There's a very interesting of the Kivega in Shulchan Aruch, a very, very interesting of the Kivega, where he tells us a very big Kiddush in the Kivega. He was Robert Posen, one of the daily he saw about 350 years ago, around that 300 years ago, around the time of Hassan Sofi. He was a father in law of the of the Hassan Sefer. And he, sorry, he was a son of the Hassan Sefer. He, he came out with an enormous fetish. Now, let's talk about silver candlesticks. Now, a silver candlestick, without any candle in it, 
is nothing more than a Kedish Menachbilisa. Because what's the primary function of this candlestick? To use it to put candles in, which is a, a function which is forbidden on Shabbos. You can put it in before Shabbos, but to put the candles on Shabbos and light them is forbidden. So the status of this is nothing more than a Kedish Menachbilisa. When we use it with candles in and we light the candles on Shabbos, then we're entering into a different world. We're going into the world of bosses, which we haven't explained at length yet, which we haven't elaborated on. Then the, the flame becomes muksa, because the flame is muksa, that's not Kedish Machlisa. The candle becomes a bosses, the candlesticks becomes a bosses, and the tray becomes a bosses, and we'll discuss the tables, etc., when we learn about the bosses. But that's a different subject, that's a different area of muksa, which we haven't discussed. Uh, a candlestick has not, which has not been used for Shabbos at all. Beautiful silver candlestick is nothing more than a Kedish Machlisa. So if you want to use a candlestick on Shabbos, or if you need the space where the candlestick is on Shabbos, you'll be allowed to move it. No problem at all. Once it's been lit and used for Shabbos on Friday, then you can't move it at all, because then it's muxa completely. But if it hasn't been used on Friday, and it's not been used with a candle at all from Friday into Shabbos, then it's nothing more than a candle from Nakulisa. Now, you're going to find it difficult to find a function with a silver candlestick which is permitted on Shabbos, because you don't break coconuts with silver candlesticks. So what, what function can you find which will enable you to move this candlestick? So the Kivayi comes out with an enormous Kiddush. If you had your daughter getting married, or you had a, a grandchild getting married, or whatever, whatever it may be, and you wanted to send them a present of silver candlesticks, may I send that present of silver candlesticks on Shabbos? Says the Kivayi, you're allowed to send it on Shabbos. No problem at all. Because the silver candlestick is a Kedish and Rachel now, I can't have the pleasure of giving the chosm a present, which is a mitzvah of simple chosm, without using the candlestick. So by sending the candlestick to Shabbos, I'm using the candlestick for a function which is permitted, and that's okay. If you haven't got an air, you mustn't send it to him at all. We're talking about where he's downstairs in the front room, and you're upstairs in, in the upstairs flat. You've got a block of flats, you're on the top floor, he's in the bottom floor, and you've got an air in the flat, and everything's fine. We're not getting involved in any politics, Mr. Gordon. Everything's straightforward. Can I send this silver candlestick to my chosen on Shabbos and Rikivegi? That's called a permitted function. It's called tiltul l'tzarek lufoy. I'm using, moving this candlestick for a purpose which is permitted. It's called moving the candlestick for the purpose of the candlestick. I need this candlestick to be able to permit myself, to be able to fulfill a mitzvah of simchas chosen, taking the candlestick and sending it on Shabbos is perfectly permitted. It's perfectly permitted. Now, if we base ourselves on that logic, it does spread a little bit the, the area of the heta of Tilkul Lusarek Bufoy. So, for instance, the Shemir Shabbos comes out with a, an extension of this halacha and a very practical one. A baby's rattle. A baby's rattle is really muksa. Because, again, the primary function of this toy is to make a noise. And to make a noise in Shabbos is forbidden. So, to have a, 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 an article which its function is to make a noise, that's forbidden. Can you give this rattle to a baby on Shabbos? A baby it doesn't have to be a baby, it can be a slightly older child. And it doesn't have to be a rattle, it can be a xylophone, it can be a, uh, any article that makes a noise on Shabbos, which its function for you to use would be, would be forbidden. Can I then give it to a child? Now, for to, a child to make a noise, he's got a, a, a chiddush that's permitted. Right? I'm not getting involved in that, it's nothing to do with it as an upset. Can I move it to give the child pleasure and keep him quiet? He's screaming, he wants something, he needs occupying. Can I pick up this rattle and give it to him? Now, I may not touch the rattle, I may not move it, it's muksa. But here, I want the rattle in order to placate the child. So I'm using the rattle to placate the child. That's called the tiltul l'tzorich. That's called the tiltul which is permitted because I'm using the forbidden article 
for the sake of the article, where I need the article, and that's called the truth, so it's not totally permitted. So we see that there is enormous breadth, breadth of, of permissiveness with regard to the Issa Muksa of a Kedish Machmas Issa. And when we compare that to a Muksa Machmas Kisarin case, where the Halacha was no movement at all. You can't touch it at all. Not a second not a second not a second Everything's also. And yet, Kedish Machmas Issa is vastly different. Again, the, the principle of Kedish Machmas and the amount of heta of, of tilku again changes in, in, in another angle, in the sense that any other muksa, if you do have it in your hand, whatever the, however it got there, you have to drop it in the nearest convenient place possible. So, for instance, we spoke about tiltle minatav. I pick up the barrel with a stone on it because I need the barrel, so I move the barrel across. The moment I have a free space, I've got to drop the stone. I may, I may not carry it for uh, an inch longer. The minute I have an ability to drop it, I have to drop it. I picked up this hammer because I want to bang and, and break open some nuts. What do I do with it when I finish with it? Do I have to drop it in the nearest convenient location? Or can I actually take it back to its designated place? And here again is halacha, which is specific to Kalish Manakalisa, but if it's already in your hand, you do not have to drop it. You can put it wherever you want to put it. So if you take the example of the hammer, you picked up the hammer, you've broken your nuts. What do you do with the hammer now? You can take it back to your toolbox, put it in the toolbox, no problem at all. Despite the fact that you might be walking tens of feet from where you, you actually use the hammer to where the Toolbox is, that's no problem at all. Because a Kalish Manakalisa may be continued to be held if you picked it up for a valid reason. Maybe continue to be held as, and, and replaced in the place, in the designated place, wherever you want it to go. So again, if you, you find a pen on your Shabbos table, you may pick it up because you want to put a tablecloth on and lay the table. You may pick up the pen with your hands as normal and walk it to your stationary cupboard. If you have one, your stationary drawer, you might not be able to open your stationary drawer, but if you have a stationary cupboard, you can open the cupboard. Put your pen in and shut the cupboard door. No problem at all, despite the fact you're walking from your front room all the way through to your morning room or to your office or wherever it may be. You, once it's in your hand and it's been lifted and it's right in your hand in a permitted manner, you can actually take it wherever you like. Whereas any other looks are yet to drop in the, most, in, 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 in the first most convenient case. Where there is an enormous argument, which is relevant, is for in the, in the case of Brismila, where you've actually used the knife in a totally permitted manner, but the minute you finish using it, it becomes muksa again. Which muksa does it become? Muksa machmas kasarankis, because you don't want it used for any other purpose. What do you do with that knife? Can you actually carry it wherever you like, because you actually picked it up in, totally, in, in, in a manner which is totally permitted? Or do you have to drop it in the most convenient place? There's an enormous machlex in the poskim, and what the, the molem do do is they have a, a table with a, a, a case right next to it, and the, the moment they're finished using the knife, they drop it into the case, and then they shut the case, and they can carry the case with everything else in it, to an area where it can be safe, and that way it's called Kiltum and Aksad, and they've not actually carried the Muxa knife directly at all. To get around that problem, that's the simplest way to do it. When it comes to Kedish from Lachman Israel, no problem at all. Pick it up, use it, put it back wherever you want it to go. Let's go through some examples of Kedish from Lachman And the first example of Kedish from Lachman Israel that might come across strange to you is pots and pans. Pots and pans is, are used primarily something which is not permitted on Shabbos, for cooking. You don't cook on Shabbos, you're not allowed to cook on Shabbos, so pots and pots and pans are very rarely used. You do have sometimes pots and pans that are used for storage as well as for cooking. So you can have uh, plastic pots and plastic um, 
utensils which are used for cooking in microwaves and for use for storing and freezing, that's fine. That's a keli shemalakta le'isa le'heta. It has equal use of isa to heta. You store it, you use it for storage, you use it for cooking. That's not keli shemalakta le'isa, that's perfectly permitted. But a pot in a pan you don't actually use for storage at all. You might put a little bit of leftover food in the pot in the fridge for, for a day, etc., but it's not really used primarily for storage. Primarily it's used for a function which is completely forbidden to and that's muksa. So pots and pans which are empty are considered a keli shemalakta le'isa. So... If you needed to get something at the back of your pot, your, your, your pan cupboard, and you couldn't get there without moving your pots, that's fine. Because I need the mocking of where the pot is to, to, to give me access to what's behind it. That's perfectly permitted. Take the pot out, access that which you need to access at the back of the, put the cupboard, put the pot back. That's perfectly fine. But just to move the pot because you're scared, you've left it on the side. And if you leave it there, the sun's going to shine on it, and it might tarnish it, it might damage it, etc. So you want to move it to protect the pot, that's completely forbidden. Because if I'm moving the pot to protect the article, which is muksa, that's not permitted at all. If the pot has food inside it, and since the food is permitted to be moved, then the whole pot is allowed to be moved. Since that is its place, that is the primary, that is the, the normal place where food is put. So if you have a pot with food in it, that allows you to carry the pot. And that's a different subject, which I don't want to discuss at length now, but that allows you to carry the pot. So a pot, which is empty, may not be moved unless you need the area or the actual pot itself or something. It, can, it can't be moved for, for self-protection, but it can also be moved if you have food inside it and you need to move the food, then you can move the pot together with the food because that's the only way you can actually move the food, and that's also permitted. But to move an empty pot for its protection is completely awesome. But then, so, why, why are you moving it? Why do you want it out of the way? Because you want the space. Well, that's fine. You can, then, why do you want to fill it with water? To, that's, so, that's a shalom v'achomer, that's already the shalom. You're not preparing the pot for, for after Shabbos. Can you do that? That's a different subject completely. But mehukas muksa, if you put water in it, then you're using it. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> All electrical gadgets, we're about to come to that in a moment, but all electrical gadgets are also kailing shemlakta le'isa, unless, unless they are expensive, and then they become mutsumachim shkosan kiss. So an example of an electrical item would be a fan, an electric fan. An electric fan is nothing more than kailing shemlakta le'isa. So an electric fan can be moved if you need the fan. If it's not facing the right direction and you're, you're, you're hot and you want it to face you, you can move it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a kailing shemlakta le'isa and you may move it. Where we enter with a problem with electrical items is an electrical item that has a element inside it. So, for instance, a, a, a normal lamp, not a, I'm not talking about the, the lamps with these long light bulbs, a lamp with a normal, what they call the conga, you know, a normal, a normal old-fashioned bulb with, a, with an element inside, with a filament inside, which gets red hot. That has been of, it's equated to fire. That's considered fire. Fire is muksa completely in Shabbos. Fire is muksa machas So then the bulb is muksa, and then the lamp becomes muksa and can't be moved. But, uh, or, a, for instance, a, a fan heater. A fan heater has inside it a metal spiral which gets red hot, and that's where, when the air blows through it, it the fan blows the air through this red filament, and that's how you get this hot, hot air which comes out. That is completely muksa. Plugged in, it can be switched on, it can be switched off. It makes no, you, theoretically, if you need it, if you need the space. But you can't switch it, if it's on, then you can't put it out, understandably. You can move its direction, why not? Of a fan, why not? Not fan heater, of a fan, of a blowing fan. 
A fan heat you can't move because it's got an, a, a, a fire, a literally called fire. The metal element inside is, is fire. If you remember the old-fashioned bar heaters, which get red hot, that is fire. That is pure fire. Fire is completely mutter. Fire cannot be moved to patch the shelves. So a, a, a bar heater or a fan heater, etc., may not be moved. But if you had a radiator, an electric radiator, there's no fire at all in an electric radiator. It's either oil or water inside. Then that can be moved into position wherever you like. So if you've got a radiator over there and it's a bit chilly down there and it's got a wire which is long enough and you can move it along, wheel it along and move it to a different position. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's a Kalish and Nakhon Issa. I'm moving the Tzorah because I want the use of that article. That's perfectly fine. Or if you have an electric radiator which is in the way and you want to move it out of the way, no problem at all. You need the area where the electric radiator is, you may move it because you want the mocking of that, of that radiator. It's a Kalish and Nakhon Issa which is not a Tzorah Gufa or the Tzorah from Koma. What's this one? Who says you can't have shovels then? No, that bulb is... is but two, first of all, there's two things. When, when you're touching the shovels lamp, officially, you're supposed to just touch the top. But I've yet to meet the shovels lamp when you just touch the top, the rest of the lamp doesn't move a bit as well. But the truth is, a shovels lamp is not... It's a fluorescent. The fluorescent is just gas. So there's nothing there which is not there. There's no fire. So in real terms, there's no reason why you shouldn't actually move the lamp itself. Another example of a case from that is there would be a telephone book. A telephone book is something which the primary function of the telephone book is to make telephones, telephone calls. Its primary function is for a purpose, which is, which is forbidden on Shabbos. But you sometimes look up a telephone book for an address. So if you needed to find an address on Shabbos, you had a kiddish in, in, in somewhere in, in Hendon, you couldn't remember the address, may I open a telephone book to find that address on Shabbos? And the answer is yes. Despite the fact that it's a Kedish Menachalisa, that I'm allowed to use or move a Kedish Menachalisa for itself, for information, for itself. I'm using it for itself. Nothing wrong. I finish it, I close it for the back where it comes from, and that's fine. Or if I have a telephone book left on the, on the, on the kitchen table or left on the side next to the telephone, and it's in the way in Shabbos, and you need the space, you may pick it up and put it back in the, in, in the drawer, cupboard, or wherever it is, because it's a Kedish Menachalisa, it's a Mekome, totally permitted. Another example, it uh, might not be so relevant uh, here, but sometimes you get children who can't quite reach the, the, the table, and uh, before the invention of, of modern little uh, seats, we used to take um, telephone books when they were thick in those days as well. Nowadays they come like uh, shriveled little things. But in the old days, you'd come with, with massive thick books. You put them, sit them on it, absolutely fine. Even though it's muksa, telephone books are muksa, but I'm using the telephone book for a purpose. That's fine. I'm allowed to be Makalku, a cane in the circle for it in the corner. Matches. A match is a cane, Shemalakadesa. It has a function. It can be used for other things. Its primary function is to, to strike and create fire, which is also. But it, there's no fire there yet, so it's just a keli, shemalak and isa. So when you light your candles Friday night and you have the match, if the match is burned down, right away down, then it's muksa completely, because it has no function at all. But if it's just burned down a tiny bit and can be used again by putting it into another light and, to, and, and relight a, a, a different candle or relight the gas, etc., then it's a keli, shemalak and isa, and you have, you, you're not obligated to drop it immediately. You can carry hold it and put it down wherever you fancy putting it, and then go make your bracha, or after you make your bracha, put it down wherever you fancy, because it's nothing more than a kedish from Lachadisa. So, if you ran out of toothpicks on Shabbos, and you're one of these people who can't survive without toothpicks, you may use a match, if it's thin enough, if you get one of these really thin matches. You may use a match, though it's a kedish from Lachadisa, and never muksa, but a kedish from Lachadisa, and the tzoyach gufoy, for the purpose of the, using the outcome itself, is perfectly permitted. 
So if you really are desperate, a match would be a very good substitute for for a toothpick. You can take the box of matches if it's in the way and, and move it away. If it's not in the way, then you can't. Put them wherever you like. If the, the match hasn't burned down too much, it's only burned down a tiny bit at the top, so it can still be reused, then it's a case of this. If it's burned down a lot, so it's really more or less ash, can't be used again, then it's completely mucsa. Then it's, uh, it's mucsa matters good thing. A hairbrush, a non shovel hairbrush, which in, 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 invariably pulls out hair when it's being used, or a comb. These are Kalim Shemlachim Issa, which mustn't be used in Shabbos, but if you have a function where you do want to use it, or if it's in the way, you're allowed to move it to Shabbos. But to move it because you're worried it's going to get broken, that's, that would be forbidden. A pair of scissors. A pair of scissors is a Kalim Shemlachim Issa. So if you have a pair of scissors lying around the kitchen table, because one of the grandchildren left a pair of scissors, or your children, or you left a pair of scissors on, on Friday, it's in the way, pick it up, put it back where it comes from, no problem at all. To use a pair, to move a pair of scissors because they're, they're an expensive pair and you, they're, they're your, your sewing scissors and you leave them around, you're scared the children are going to get hold of it and something's going to get damaged, to move it because you want to protect it will be forbidden. Scissors which you use in your kitchen, uh, food scissors to cut your meat, to cut your chicken, that's perfect. Absolutely nothing wrong with using your shovels. You can use those scissors and cut your meat, cut your chicken and shovels, no problem at all. Would I say something that's wrong, Mrs. Graydon? No, it's not. I'm cutting food. You may not cut material with a fork and a knife on Shabbos, but you can cut food with a fork and a knife. Sorry? Not with, the, not with your chicken scissors. I'm giving up. I'm resigning this business again. Then that, that would be um, uh, the circle family. I mean, it, it's in the way. That would be the circle family, yes. Uh, for exa- another example would be nails, toolbox, a whole toolbox. There's nothing more. They're all came from that producer. And therefore, if it's in the way, or you need something from that toolbox, nothing wrong with opening it and, and taking something out. It's filling. Interesting enough, since we are not allowed to wear tefillin on Shabbos, the tefillin is considered the Kedish from Akhidisa. So this is very relevant if you left your tefillin in your talis bag and you forgot to take it out before Shabbos. For those who only have one talis, or if you're away and you only have one talis, and you forgot to take it out, there's nothing wrong with taking the talis out of the bag because you're allowed to move the tefillin. Or you can take the tefillin out of the bag and then take the bag with you uh, wherever you want to go. To the extent that if you can't take the tefillin out there and you need the bag with the, with the tefillin and the, and the talis, you may even carry the whole bag with you to wherever you're doubling and then take the bag and the, the talis out because it's a Kedish from Akhidisa, which the service of and Mikrem is perfectly permitted. But to protect those tefillin, that would be awesome. To protect that tefillin would be us, awesome. and the same would apply to a shaker or any article of a mitzvah which may not be used on Shabbos, because whatever the, whatever the reason is, would be considered the case from Lachlan and therefore can be used, moved, let's say, from McKinley, but won't be able to be used on Shabbos. So I hope I've given you a bit of a background. Again, it's not like it's not comprehensive by any stretch of the imagination, but a bit of a background and a contrast to Muxa Machin's Chesaron Kiss, where Chesaron Kiss is completely forbidden to move, and Kedish from is in effect enormous amount of permissiveness with regards to the amount of movement that you can carry out on this article. Because Gufoy, Mekaymai, etc. is enormously mutter. Uh, an example of, of, of Gufoy, of Mekaymai, is giving a Shokhan is in the olden days to take a shoe off a press, off a shoe press. So if you have a shoe press and you've got a shoe around it, now I need to move the shoe press to be able to get the article off. But because I'm moving it in order to get the article off, that's called Sarah Mekaymai. So I'm moving the press to get my shoe off, that's called Tilt will look sorry for that's perfectly permitted. I'm moving a, a shoe press. The shoe press is 
only a kenzim nakodesa, and I'm moving it in order to enable me to to, to advocate the area of the inside of the shoe, so I can now put my foot in it. That's called sorry, mukaymay. Muksa nachmas kufay. A kenzim nakodesa, sorry, a kenzim nakodesa, which you need the sorry kufay, totally permitted. So we see that the halachas of muksa are not uniform by any stretch of the imagination. You can have sometimes the extremities are nothing permitted, and the other extreme is enormous amount is permitted, where the, the, the amount which is also is very little. So if you do ever find a pen in the middle of the, of the floor and it's in the way, you can pick it up like a normal person and put it away. But there's an enormous amount of scope of heta with regards to kedushin and akadisa. And rather late, let me just briefly finish off with a very very short debate because we really are running out of time. The the Chanukah is considered a yomtif. The Gemara calls Chanukah. Chanukah a yomtif. Yet, in itself, it's very strange because we never find ever a yomtif where there's no isim malacha. Every other yomtif, the, the definition of yomtif is a day which is set aside, a day which is set aside from malacha. Malacha is forbidden on yomtif. Malachas oichel nefesh, what's necessary for cooking, etc., is permitted. But any other type of malacha is completely forbidden on yomtif. Yet, Chanukah is a day of yomtif where malacha is Totally permitted. There's no issue malach at all. A little bit around the time of the lighting of candles, but the actual day is not the day where malach is forbidden. And yet, it's described as a yomtiv. How do you understand why is Hanukkah a yomtiv? What makes Hanukkah a yomtiv? And the answer to that is very simple. The reason why yomtiv is called a yomtiv is because it's a day which is set aside, a day where the, 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 the light of the Rebbein the Kedusha of the Rebbein is apparent. Now, wherever there's Kedusha, that's a contradiction to malach. Where there's Kedusha, Malach is always forbidden. Because Kedusha can't exist in conjunction with worldly matters. Kedusha means to set, set yourself away, set yourself aside from all worldly matters. So therefore, it comes Shabbos, it comes Yom Tov. Where there's Kedusha, you have to set yourself aside. The light of Yom Tov cannot shine in, a, in an area which is a, 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 a world of Malach. It's got to be a world which is set away from Malach. A world of spirituality. That's where Yom Tov can actually manifest itself. So every other Yom Tov is a Yom Tov where Malach is also. Hanukkah is unique. Hanukkah is unique with the light of Hanukkah, the nest of Hanukkah, the light of Hanukkah within the light of Hanukkah, the Sorin Talas, the Or Hagamas, the light of the Rishon in which he hid um, at, at, the, at the beginning of, the, of creation. He hid because he realized that the Rishon would use it, would misuse it, and abuse it, and that he hid it for Sadiqim and Lavai. Within the light of Hanukkah, the, 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 the light of the Or Hagamas, this hidden light, begins to shine. And that's why the Or Hagamas has no, has no boundaries. Because I'll tell us that when Adam Rishon saw the Aragomas, he was able to see from one side of the world to the other. There were no physical boundaries that came to the Aragomas. And that's why the nearest of Hanukkah lit for seven days and there were no time constraints. The oil didn't burn because the physical boundaries did not exist when it comes to the Aragomas. Hanukkah is a day where we have the ability to reach out and somehow receive this tremendous Aragomas, this tremendous spirituality, this condition of the Rebbein despite the fact that we are still in the mundane world. It was a world of Choshech, a world of darkness, a world where Yavon prevailed. At the same time, within that darkness, we managed to achieve, through the this connection to this tremendous spirituality, despite the fact that we were still within the darkness of the normal physical world. And therefore, the Yom Tov of Hanukkah is a Yom Tov. It's a day where we can achieve and reach to that tremendous spiritual high that we normally arrive at only through removing ourselves from the, from the materialistic world. Hanukkah, despite the fact that we are still in the materialistic world, we are still in the world of Gashmias, we can and we do have the ability to reach out and absorb and, and have this tremendous connection to this Erhagomus through the likes of others, to the Hanukkah, the Hanukkah Menorah. So despite the fact that it's Mutadamalacha, it's still considered the answer, because it is a day of Yom Toiv. Toiv, the first time we find the word Toiv, is with, with, with regards to this area, this light, Nakhon Shavarchim, actually hid in the time of creation. 
This light was tight. Tight means that it's a day where this light, this light, this Ayagamas has the ability to shine into this world. On a normal Yomtev, it will shine only in, in a small amount, but only because we've removed ourselves from the physical world. Chanukah is so great that despite the fact that we're still within the materialistic world, and we're still working, and we're still mixing with, with the outside world, and everything's running as if it's a normal day, but we know it's not really a normal day. It's a day where this Ayagamas is going to shine. And that's, that's, that's symbolized by the light of the Chanukah, where we light every single night, till the people have stopped walking around the street means until all the non-Jews, everything, until all the materialistic world has been removed from around where we are. That's the significance and that's what's symbolized in the lighting of the Hanukkah light. Bring the light down into the physical world, despite the fact that we're in the physical world, we can still climb and connect ourselves to this tremendous Aragomas. Eventually, give us that Tishmaya, which we should reserve to see the Aragomas in its true form, the BSI girl, Amen, Amen.